Canadians. <laughs> All right. Oh, love your shirt, by the way. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I've got this one that says, let's talk about sex. And I've got another one that says, got lube. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to try to forego the video because um, I think that might be what caused the problem. All right. It's okay. I'm, I'm the pretty one out of the two of us anyway. <laughs> but I've got the new magnificent Eric and Gord t-shirt on. And I don't because mine's in the wash. Um, all right. Let's get going. I'll just do a quick little intro before I say hi. Uh, hi there. Happy Tuesday. It's March the 3rd, 2020, and I'm Eric talking at you once again from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, where earlier today I had an abortion joke, but uh, I decided not to keep it. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> how you doing guys uh welcome everybody to what if we're right today we welcome to the show raylene let me get this right Taskowski. 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 how are you welcome i'm good how are you i'm very excited about today i've been really looking forward to this talk um, why don't you tell our listeners who you are? Uh, well, as we said, I'm Raylene Taskowski. I am a speaker and a comedian with a stage show called Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed and a keynote speech called Let's Talk About Sex, the Value of Open, Honest Discussions About Women's Sexual Health. Which um, for us, I think, is really important because I think it's a very uh, uncomfortable conversation for men to get involved in uh so uh that that's kind of where i know that's where i'm coming from is that for me it's it's almost unknown um that's uh, why i made it into a comedy show it is easier to educate you guys if we can keep you laughing at the same time that's exactly and i noticed very in, true in watching your comedy uh the the reaction was kind of funny because it all kind of starts at a Oh my God! What the hell is she talking about? And then into a laugh, like with with almost every joke, it was like you could see the women going, "Oh my God! Why is she talking about that?" And then you, when you got to your punchline, they'd loosen up and 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 laugh along with you. Do you do you find a lot that there's a lot of tension at the beginning, or a, a lot of yeah? Maybe, Depending like, on how I start. So if I start with something innocuous, talking about shaving and stuff like that. Uh, it gets people right on board. And then when I get to the sex stuff, they're all, they're already loosened up. But um, if you're talking about my five minute that I have up on YouTube, where I start out with 2.8 minutes is how long it takes the average man to orgasm. Everybody just freezes, especially the guys. Um, and then I'll say, I bet you a couple of you guys feel pretty good about yourselves right now. <laughs> um, but I did have a guy heckle me. He was like, bullshit. And I was, at the time, I was still super new as a comedian. So it kind of knocked me off my rhythm. And I didn't have a, um, a response for that reaction. Uh, but now I think I would just bust him down. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's just 2.8 seconds for you. As a bit of a comedian myself, I, yeah, I still never really got the hang of dealing with hecklers. I'm always very impressed when people can because I, I rehearse it's so hard. much and I get so nervous before I go up there that uh, once you break my rhythm, it's really hard for me to get back into it. 
Yeah, no, I saw one of yours today, vagina face. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is ancient. That's a... <laughs> I like that one. There was actually... it. You would never know from the eight people that laugh in that thing, but there was actually 1,100 people in that room. Oh, no. It was, God, uh, was my terrifying. dream. And I think that was... Uh, that was about my third week of doing comedy. Uh, so oh, that's terrifying, then. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, sink or swim, absolutely. Can I can I ask <laughs> how how do you go from like it doesn't seem like a natural transition from like FEMA to stand up? Is that uh... <laughs> well, FEMA was just something that I did when during Hurricane Katrina, when um, they needed uh, people who were set and ready to go that they could trust. Um, and I was a firefighter at the time. So oh, wow. I went down there for 30 days just to do do what needed to be done. And it wound up being pretty good because what they needed was secretarial and management type stuff. And I had that. So, yes, I could, you know, do CPR and, and you know, do EMS stuff and chop firewood and move sandbags. But I what they really needed was people who could uh, manage and uh operate the computers and get the paperwork done and so it wound up being a really good experience for me but where it started was i've been a consultant for uh in a in-home adult party company for the last 13 years and i uh every time i did a party somebody would say oh you should be a stand-up comic but i had tried comedy for like three weeks when i was 27 and i was like that that's scary. I don't want to do that. <laughs> People are judging me. It's very difficult. Um, and so I said, no, I'm, I'm not a stand-up comic. And so about four years ago, I had a, a business coach and she said, what's your favorite part of the party? And I said, the favorite part of the party is when they are laughing and they are crying and they are peeing themselves and they're getting migraines. And, you know, that's my favorite part. And she said, well, then, um, what about in the shopping room when you're getting them the products that are going to be right for them and right for their relationship? And I'm like, no, that's how I make money. If I could just tell the jokes and then mic drop and walk the fuck out, that would be <laughs> ideal. And so then she said, you need to go do stand up comedy. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's not, not my thing. And she said, well, you know, you paid me a lot of money to be your business coach and I'm just telling you right now to go do it. So on uh, April 5th, of what four years ago I got on stage at the funny bone for the very first time and I'm not gonna lie I killed it I did <laughs> a really 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 solid five minutes because it came right out of my parties and I just you know rewarded it a little bit so it was more for comedy and less for sales and I got two gigs from that um and then from there it just kind of took off but as you probably know, comedy does not pay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Until you're famous, it doesn't pay shit. But selling sex toys pays really, really well. <laughs> so... <laughs> Never would have necessarily thought that, but then again, makes sense. Sex toys exactly. is a billion-dollar industry, so that makes sense. Especially if you're educating and entertaining at the same time. So, so many people will come in and be like, I'm not into this. There's nothing here for me. I'm just here to support my friend. And at the end, they're like, me first, me first. Let me get in the shopping cart. <laughs> I want to try killed. this. <laughs> yeah. But it's because they didn't know or they didn't understand or they didn't have uh, a frame of reference or they weren't raised with anything, which is also how I was raised. So 
it it makes a difference. And I, then a couple of years ago, I just decided that I really wanted to up the ante on on doing the comedy and to really push. I wanted it to be co-ed, but our, our parties are not co-ed. Um, but I thought guys do need to hear this, but they don't need, need to necessarily hear it in an in-home party with other women. And so I had purchased the domain stand-up comedy sex ed like five years ago, and I was just holding on to it. And then one day I was stressing out about money and bills, and I got up in the middle of the night because that's what I do. If I can't sleep, I won't toss and turn. I'll just get up. And I walked into my living room, and there was a book sitting there, and it was, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And I picked it up, but I opened to the first page, and it was just like this massive epiphany of why aren't you taking the thing that you love to do and the thing you're amazing at, mix them together, and do stand-up comedy sex ed? And so I did. Genius, really. I think I... Ah. I bought the opposite of that book. It was, you were a badass at coming up with horrible ideas that'll never make money. (laughs) (laughs) And I read that almost every night. Did you find, um, the, what, what's the response from men on average? Is it, are they, well, they love it. Yeah. Absolutely (laughs) love it. Yeah. Um, what I love, I'm a words of affirmation person. So is immediately after a show, I will go stand at the door to collect my, you know, my pats on the back and my good jobs. And women have always found me funny. But when I get a guy who walks out and he's like, oh, my God, I laughed so hard I almost peed. That right there is just straight up gold in the bank because guys don't say I laughed until I peed very often. Whereas women, no, we say it all guys, the time. Guys t- don't tend to admit to incontinence under any circumstance. Exactly. Right. And Does so, that make us exceptions, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into detail. <laughs> it's really kind of gratifying. And um, I mean, I think my biggest fan right now is a guy that came to my show in February. Wait, this is February, October. And he came with his wife and his mother-in-law. And he said, I just came because my wife said that one of her friends was doing comedy and I was prepared to just sit here and be polite um, and listen to an amateur for like 20 minutes. And he said, and I laughed for the entire time I was here. And he says, I'm positive you're going to be famous. <laughs> so well, I signed now, a napkin. You're on our show. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. Step it up. That's it. it up. <laughs> you will yeah, be... so I signed a t-shirt for him, so... If I am famous, that'll be worth something someday. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you're, you're guaranteed to be a massive celebrity in Canada now. Which, I'm uh, excited. I want to do. I want to do comedy in Canada someday. That's on my bucket list. We uh, love comedy in Canada. We're all about it. That's that's pretty much. If it's if we're not apologizing, we're laughing. So that's true. Perfect. Um, we've, we've got some. Uh, there's very little support for comedians in Canada, unfortunately. We've got yuck yucks, and that's that's about it. But um, it's a it's not a bad scene if you can get in. It's hard to get in here, but but yeah. you're you're going through all the proper channels now. I tell you, once you've got Eric <laughs> and Gord in the back pocket, we are massive up here. Perfect. <laughs> I've got another good friend who does comedy there. He does a lot of cruise ships, which is I know for some people, 
they're like, oh, cruise ships are, you know, they're not, they're disrespectful of cruise comics. But I mean, for me, as a huge fan of cruising, I'm like, could I have a better life? <laughs> like, to get paid to go on a cruise ship, to sit in the sun, to tell jokes for 20 minutes a night. I mean, I don't know what kind of standards other people are ruling their lives by, but fuck yeah, let me be a cruise comic. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I don't see the downside to that. I think yeah. in comedy, if you're not on the road sweating it out for 300 days a year and making no money and going home miserable at the end of it, and for some reason you don't get respect from other comics... It's yeah, not. I am definitely taking a different path. Well, that's good. Because <laughs> I'm making money at these shows. I'm making good money at these shows. And um, and I, I pay my host real well. And, you know, I make sure that I give shout outs to the people who treat me well. And so some people are like, well, you're not a real comic. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm making real money. So ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody could just suck a big one on that one. Exactly. <laughs> and I've got one that I show in my demo that they can go ahead and use. <laughs> so what's when... now? I actually I gotta I gotta say this. Um, years ago, I've had a couple of friends that used to do those uh, the sex toy get-togethers with the women, and um, one year I actually got invited because well. I'm way more open-minded. I'm practically a woman as it is. <laughs> I have my own boobs, so it kind of works. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went to the, the first one, which ended up being one of, I think, five I ended up going to. I uh, just had a blast. Um, but every time I went, there was always one particular device that just every time just made my draw drop to the floor and hilarity always ensued. It, it was It was the one that looks like a giant tongue. That wiggles and moves. Do you remember? Have you ever seen that one? Um, we used to have one. It was called the Tongue of Fun. I that might be the one. It's it was just, it just every time she goes, well, here's this new one. They bring someone, oh, you know, just, <laughs> die of laughter when this thing came. I'm just like, I just every toy I, I get, I can get the function of the. I get everything about it, but that was the one thing every time that always got me until. Um, until one uh, grouping where um, they were a little, well, they, they were drinking, so it's a little more loosey goosey with things. And they were actually taking some of these toys and trying them. They would go into like oh. a back room and try some of them, which that was not you know, my company. No, <laughs> um, but for the record, uh, hearing a woman scream from the bathroom with that tongue was a very eye opening experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, so that's... maybe there's a point to this thing. <laughs> See, and that, unfortunately, is one of the reasons that women will avoid parties, because they think that that kind of thing is going to go on at all parties. And it's not fair to those of us who do good, ethical, proper, appropriate, (laughs) educational and entertaining shows. But it's stories like that that really freak people out and they don't want to they don't want to come and be educated and that's that's a shame. It's a funny story, but it's a shame. I agree. I mean, like I said, I it's well, it's it's the same thing of when they say like you know uh, the difference between a guy going to the strip club and a woman going to the strip club. You know, like I used to never, I would never allow like a, a girlfriend or my ex wife whatever say you're never going to one of the, to see the male guys because I hear what goes on there. It's just not as bad as we think. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's always that one bad experience. 
So, so on well, that, on that so kind of the same vein, it. what's it was good for that one girl? Yeah, right. What do you think is the biggest misconception that men have when it comes to this subject of women's health in general? What's the? Oh, what... I can tell you easily. It is that if if we need lube, they're not doing their job, and that's one thousand percent wrong. 75% of women need lubricant to keep things slippery. There's a lot that goes on with our arousal and medications and birth control pills and stress and true, sometimes not enough foreplay. All can factor into how well we're lubricated. If we're not lubricated, we are not having fun. No, and that is not. 100% the thing that guys will be like, oh, you're just not turned on by me. And that is so not true. And, and it's unfair. And it's unfair to put the onus back onto the woman if she's not lubricated enough and he's, you know, saying you're not aroused. She could be very aroused, but she could have a million different reasons why the lubrication isn't heavy enough. And that and that's why I said, like, 75% of women need a good water-based lubricant to keep things slippery. And I love the fact that it's gone over the water-based now instead of the silicone because it right. works so much better. Right. And it feels more natural. And it doesn't smell. It's not that weird that the silicone one stinks of that weird rubber smell. It's kind of gross. Right. Exactly. Silicone's <laughs> good for back door. If you're going in the back door, you want a lubricant that doesn't soak in. But if you're going in the vagina, you've got to have a lubricant that works with you, feels like you, and doesn't interrupt the moment of passion. Yeah. And absolutely that's huge. Especially if you've got two point eight seconds to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> two point eight minutes. 2.8 minutes. You don't no, Eric's be... talking personal there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? Here's here's the truth. If your partner is on the edge, which means you've done enough foreplay, you can orgasm together in 2.8 seconds or 30 seconds. As which... long as you as long as you've gotten gotten her to the point where she's ready to orgasm, by the time you penetrate, you can very easily come together. That experience is hands down one of the greatest feelings in the world when you both come together. Oh, absolutely! It is. It, it, it's a. It, I call it. It's, it's the game changer, without a doubt. I right. dream of the day. <laughs> there's, there's, there's two keys. One is she needs to be aroused enough for that to happen, and yes. uh, penile penetration does not arouse a woman. Almost all of our sex organ is on the outside or wrapped around. It's our, our clitoris is not that little three centimeter thing at the top. It's actually six to eight inches long and it wraps around through the vulva and around the vaginal canal, but it is closest to the surface of the skin where you can touch it right at the top. So again, with the 75%, I like to use that number because it's, it, it borders on most women, but still leaves room for those who don't need lubrication or um, extra arousal that's where it's closest. So most women will orgasm through fingers or through tongue or through their own fingers. Most women will not orgasm through penetration. So like Gord just said, if you're, you know, if they're at the edge and you could do it together, that's great. But that also doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It could just mean that she's not getting proper clitoral stimulation. So I learned like, I don't know, six years ago when I was faking a lot of orgasms and I thought, how can you be the sex toy lady and fake your orgasms that sometimes I just have to participate. 
I know where my buttons are. I also like to be penetrated because when when you're being penetrated, your vaginal muscles have something to contract against, which gives you stronger orgasms. So if my husband gets me right to the edge and then there's penetration, I have no problem giving myself a little wiggle jiggle to help have it all go together. And he's not going to complain because he just really wants to he just really wants me to enjoy it, which is props for him. Absolutely. Now, um, see, I, I got to be careful about my verbiage as um, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> right? You know, um, but uh, I know that I'm an intense uh, lover. Uh, I'll put it that way. I'm very, very intense. I'm not about my pleasure. I am pretty much about 98% about hers. Awesome. Um, which is great. But apparently, this kid, that on its own can get frustrating for some women when I'm – apparently I get it's, – it's almost like it's, I guess, too much. Yeah. Could be. Which is a difficult thing for me because again, that just that just hurts the ego and thing. And oh, I to that point and then passed and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, you 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 killed it. <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> yeah, that that can happen. Uh, and that's generally not enough communication between the two of you at the right. time. Yeah, um, she needs to let you know when you're there, what you're doing, whether or not she's in, and there's just. When you're making love, you use all five of your senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And especially for me, like I have ADD. So if there's a cat in the room, not going to orgasm. If there's a cat in the hallway, not going to orgasm. If he's got a hangnail on his finger, not going to orgasm. If I have a thought about something that is annoying me, chances are I'm not going to orgasm. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of time it's not even anything you're doing, uh, but it is a communication but I'm sure she appreciates the effort that you're putting in. Oh, yeah, she definitely does. Um, <laughs> so, again, i got to be careful because her daughters listen to this show sometimes. So, <laughs> so How old? Uh, well, they're, 19, they're old enough that they, they should be hearing this kind of stuff, though. Yeah, I, mom. <laughs> I do wish that I could talk about sex to kids a lot younger than 18 because I love to talk about um, masturbating which I know makes some people uncomfortable. Uh, but, you know, toys, not boys is what I always told my girls. <laughs> safest. Safest. <laughs> less grandchildren that way. Less right. uh, that way. And more understanding what you need. So it's really hard to tell somebody how to get the, to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando if you've never been to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando. So if you know how to orgasm ahead of time, then you're not relying on somebody else to give you an orgasm. You are accepting one or, or participating in a sexual experience with your partner rather than just being uncomfortable all the time. About the next 65 girls I meet are going to hear the question, hey, have you ever been to the Tasty Freeze in Orlando? <laughs> I gotta take you there. Exactly. <laughs> that is my new pickup line, and my daughter will never hear that phrase ever. There we. I hope not. <laughs> she's fine, so she's not part of the. It's important all of our, our children understand because if we're calling it anything other than a vulva, which is by the way the proper term, because the vulva is the whole outside of the vaginal area, and then you've got the vaginal canal. If you call the whole thing your vagina, it's like calling your your whole face and that 
Right. It's not your fault. It's because that's how previous generations were raised, where we were supposed to be embarrassed about our sex organs. And that's oh, not safe. And it's not fair. Uh, and so, it, you know, we should never be embarrassed. It's a body part. And if you don't call your elbow a neener, then you shouldn't be calling your vagina a hoo-ha or your vulva <laughs> or your penis uh, a doodle. Well, I just, I my daughter say, does sometimes. Uh, without a doubt, I was having sex probably 10 years before I knew anything about what I was doing. Weren't we all? It took me years to figure out that uh, you actually had to know something about this stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely the worst case scenario. But eager to learn now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just that's the like, important part. When I first started doing the toy parties, my oldest daughter was 18, almost 19. And I did a party with her and her friends. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you're going to do a sex toy party for your daughter? And I was like, well, she lives with her boyfriend. So I'm going to assume she's having sex. If she's not, that's weird. If she <laughs> is, shouldn't it be good? Makes right? sense. Yeah. So like, that's unusual. And I'm like, but that's what it is. But is it smart? Yes, and that's the difference. Just because yeah. it's unusual doesn't make it a bad idea. No, it's the right. smart idea. And so all three of my, well, my oldest, like I said, was 18 when I started doing this, or maybe 17. I think she was 18. Um, my other two always wound up with all the information they ever needed. And I think having that information actually made it so they were less likely to have sex because they weren't curious. Yeah. They just ask me anything they wanted and I would answer it. And for any of your listeners who have children and for you, Eric, cause you have a five-year-old, if your kids ask you about sex, you have to answer their questions or they will ask someone else. And then you lose control of the narrative, but well, that's, you that have to make sure you have to make sure not to go too far. So whenever my daughter, my youngest would ask me about sex, I would say, what do you already know? That way I could get a frame of reference for what she was what she was asking. Because my middle daughter once told me she saw kids having sex on the bus. And before I was all like, ah, I'm going to call the school. Oh, my God, the end of the world. And I said, what what is having sex look like to you? She goes, they were kissing. Right. So <laughs> you have to ask that question. You know, um, what do you already know? answer the exact question they asked with no fanfare or uh, making it bigger. And then when you're done, say, did I answer your question? Do you have any other questions? So if they ask you what's the deal with anal beads, which did happen to me, uh, one of my daughter's friends asked me about anal beads. And I was my like, well, answer would be, here's some money. Please don't ever ask that again. Right. <laughs> but it was because um she had a graduated pearl necklace like a bead necklace where the the you know it they look like anal beads i mean let's <laughs> let's be fair they did but one of the boys and this was in eighth grade one of the boys would go home and watch porn because his dad watched porn and he was a like a latchkey kid so he would go home and watch porn and whenever she wore the beads she would you know, he would always say they look like anal beads. So in eighth grade, this girl is asking me, what's the deal with anal beads? And I said, well, what do you know? <laughs> and then I just answered it, you know, as as clinically as possible. Some people like to have 
their anus stimulated with beads. They're generally designed for guys, not girls, because they're graduated. They stimulate the prostate gland. Does that answer your question? Yep. Like, that was Wait, it. Wait, is that true? Is that really? They were actually, I didn't know that they're actually designed initially for, for guys, for the prostate. Yes. They are just I, not, wow. not that women can't enjoy them, mm-hmm. but women will generally enjoy uh, a butt plug because it has a more of a feeling of fullness and it just kind of stays there. But those beads are designed to stimulate the prostate gland as you are gently removing them during penetration, not pulling them out like a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> You're not starting a chainsaw. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're, they're there. That's to why it hurt. Gland. Yeah, right. <laughs> Slow down, Eric. Slow down. I'm, I'm writing as quickly That's as I can. Use lube. <laughs> Now there is one big topic I, I think that I think that needs to be discussed because I still to this day I hear this from a lot of uh, people in general, which is the um, I don't think people really understand how different men and women are when it comes to masturbation and what it takes to as a general sort of rule of what it what each one requires when they're sort of alone. Um, like, you know, women on them more than likely tend to be more, uh, sensual. Like they can be in their head and think of a scenario and have their fun that way where guys have a tendency to usually need more of a visual stimulant. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question really comes in is, um, when does, uh, well, a, I mean, I'm going to get rid of the obvious question because I hate the question in general because I think it's stupid. But is porn bad to use for guys when they're masturbating while they're in a relationship? And then B, at what point does it become a problem? Well, it becomes a problem for certain when one or both identifies it as a problem. So whereas the guys say it's not a problem, but the girl says it is, that means she's bothered by it. And then it's a problem because if we're talking about communication, she's already telling you that bothers me. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with the porn conversation because it's not one that uh, I've had to have with my partner. I mean, I mean, one time we were in a hotel and, you know, Skinamax was on. And by the time he delivered the pizza, we were both like, okay, that's enough. All right, let's just do this. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't take much for us. We were just like. This scenario was enough, you know. (laughs) I'm telling you, even the Big Bang episode where she was just like, oh, my God. uh, Did you guys see that one? Do you have Big Bang in Canada? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, Big Bang Theory, when, when, the, when the, the naughty professor, and she was like, okay, so you're here to collect my rent. Let me go switch into something less comfortable. And I was like, that's almost enough for me. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do know that uh, I, I know of someone who became desensitized to having a partner because his grip was probably so strong that the average vagina wasn't strong enough to stimulate him anymore. And my advice to the, the woman uh, was you need to tell him to just stop. He's got to go cold Turkey and he's got to get some of that sensitivity back. Cause yes, yeah. you can desensitize your penis. Yes. You can desensitize your clitoris. You're not going to break it forever, but you can certainly de- de- desensitize it to the point where you're just like, okay, I need, I need to give that a break. <laughs> so what about a scenario where, like, because you made reference to this one, we say where 
the woman says to the guy, like, you know, I have a problem with you masturbating to porn. Now, whether it's, you know, like, like it's not an issue in the sense of it's not affecting the sex life, it's not affecting the intimacy, all that part is still there. She just doesn't like the idea. How does that, like, does it, do you have to, as, as a guy, do you have to keep it as a secret now? I mean, does it have to be that hidden thing, which I well, I don't agree with. I think that's just frustrating. I think it should be an open yeah. discussion. But what do you do in that scenario? Well, on the same hand, you don't want it scattered all around your apartment and go, hey, never, this is just, you got to deal with it. This is who I am. No. <laughs> no, obviously. The most important thing is to have, a, a good fair discussion on why it bothers her and why it's important to you. And so you say, is it that maybe she has issues with, um, you know, she thinks that the women on the, maybe she, does she have an issue with porn in general or does yes. she have? Okay. Then that's a different conversation. And that's, that's not really a sexual conversation. That's more of a ideological conversation between the two of you. Um, I wouldn't hide it because if you get caught, she's going to be hurt and pissed and and whatever. But, you know, it might just have to be one of those things where you agree to disagree unless it's really affecting your relationship. And then you just need to decide, is the porn more important or is your partner more important? I know I had a girlfriend who uh, very seriously believed that there wasn't a single woman in the history of porn that ever did it willingly. And that was her problem with porn, that they were all horrible victims of some terrible scenario and they ended up in in porn and it made her very uncomfortable not that i had it but that it existed in general yeah so uh and and it it was very i i went the natural route of just um pretending i threw it all out and then it never existed (laughs) Um. well the problem with that is it automatically um shames people who are sex positive and who do do it because they want to and there's not to say that there's not a ton of abuse in that area, or let's just say some abuse. I'm not I'm not speaking as an expert in in any way on porn, but there are certainly women who just and and men obviously who just love to have sex. And so, however they got there, you can't really turn around and sex shame someone f- for their choices. No, absolutely you not. Know? And I've- Maybe I'm off base on this. Do you find that's happening more? Like we, where there's a bit of a almost a reaction to. There was kind of a late '90s, 2000s sort of a uh, another sexual liberation, so to speak. And now it seems to be going the other way again, where there is a lot more shaming going on now. Is there that... is a lot of shaming going on in every every area. Of oh, the world right now, it's ridiculous. Exactly. Yep. Um, um, I, 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 mean, I say if you if you <laughs> like porn, watch porn. If you don't like porn, don't watch porn. Uh, I mean, like I said, it really it just it, it's never been a real conversation for me. But I have done some trainings through my company where they do talk about porn and how it affects people. And um, ask your ask your partner who doesn't like porn if it's if if the magazines are okay and then from there you can find out whether it's just that she really feels like the women are being taken advantage of or if she just doesn't want you looking at another naked woman i think a lot of it just from prior conversations comes out from um 
you're you're masturbating to another woman, plain well, and simple. You're, you're not thinking to me. You're thinking of somebody else. Okay, well, there's your answer. So it's not a it's not has nothing to do with the porn. She doesn't want you looking at anybody else. So you could suggest she make you a video. Well, that was my idea, but that got shot down real fast. <laughs> And in today's day and age of things getting hacked, I fully understand and support that decision. But, um, you know, it's it just, you know, like this isn't the first time I've heard of this being a problem. It's not that it's something that I've always helped, had an issue with, but it's, it's something that I've heard a lot throughout my life from guys and girls where girls yeah. always, yeah, you know, like when we're not together, he's over there jerking off the fucking porn. I'm like, well, so has he ever turned you like when you guys are intimate has he ever turned you down has he ever treated you like you think they get treated in porn well no well then shut the fuck up what, what do you care but I if, know let's be honest if, if there was no porn if, if you weren't looking at porn how many times in your life have you ever masturbated and thought about your partner like uh, honestly it's it's but it's it's an insane no matter what you know I've definitely been there because I had a girlfriend who uh we lived together and she would keep hers like on full display in the bathroom. Like they were just there and it was just like it was constant competition. And some days it just looked sweaty and tired. It, or just like it was mocking me. It would always just be there like, even the medicine. Even the dildo got soft. <laughs> even the and always just soft. in perfect shape and ready to go and uh, a little bit. Never I'm complaining. Never have to shave. Yeah. See, I have a I have a solution to that though. Any guy that is that is worried about that, I have a solution. You can get those silicone molds for your dick. Mm-hmm. You get one of those. Now she's not fucking some random plastic thing. She's still fucking your dick. Exactly. You're you're just not there at the moment. But every time she touches it, you know she's going to be at some point. Usually, immediately, usually beforehand, not during. But at some point, she's be thinking, "Wish this, this is was bigger." The... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I Does worry that, that if I inserted I myself into a silicone mold, I may not need the girlfriend anymore. There you go. <laughs> I actually, my solution is that I never use the toy on my own. I my husband is the keeper of the toys, oh, so wow. he decides where and when we will use them. Usually anytime we're in a hotel. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those are the freakiest times. <laughs> and, you know, I learned a long time ago. I know, like I said, I wiggle with the jiggle with the two fingers. I've been masturbating since I was four. I don't need anything for that. But if we're going to use toys, security, partner to be paired, who cares how they get there as long as they do it with you. Right. And I think that's kind of where he just, he's like, oh, well, she really likes this thing. So let me just use it. You know, on the days I don't want to be down there for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> See, I am a, I'm a, I'm a, you bring whatever you want into that bedroom, whatever gets you off, bring it in. I, I have no qualms, no fears, no second thoughts. I'm not jealous of it. I know I'm bad. Be- I will perform better than all of them. I firmly believe that. I don't care what she says, <laughs> you know? but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a, that's just a straight up thing of just, I've never why be afraid of something that can enhance? Right. And so there's a, I just, why fear it? There's a big difference between making love and having an orgasm. Mm. And then if you mix them together, you know, you can sometimes boost it up. But nobody's making love to a toy. Your toy is not going to turn you on. 
Toy's not going to pull your hair, slap your ass, squeeze your nipples, call you Sally. <laughs> Whatever turns you on, your toy is not going to do it. All it's going to do is go zzz, unless you paid extra for it, then it'll go zzz, zzz, zzz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's for the guys, I like to say this. So let's just say you got uh, 